Holman, can we top the last episode, episode 19? It's going to be hard because it was awesome. Gail Banks, we had him on for what? It was two and a half hours. So you called me when you were editing, and we knew it was a long afternoon. It was at the end of the day. We shoved all of our podcast studio stuff into a conference room, and uh, and we knew it was going to be long. And I honestly took a listen because you're like, it's two and a half hours. And I'm like, whoa. Are but people going to listen? I, well, the thing is, I couldn't figure out what to cut out. Because typically, you know, we'll record a little yeah. bit extra for every show. Yeah. And then we're just like, you know, cut out the fat, as yep. like any TV or radio show will do. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any fat. And so I listened to it because you're like, hey, I need you to put a critical ear on this one because we may have to cut. And I couldn't figure out where to cut because Gail's stories were so interesting. They're so engaging. He's such a cool guy. I'm like, you know what? It's got to be, let's just have a treat for the listeners and those who want to listen to a two and a half hour podcast, more power to you. We're going to give it to you. Bonus content. But here's what's awesome. I looked at the analytics on the day it, it came out. Yeah. It was our second best download day ever. Our second best? Why not the best? We what missed happened? it by 15 downloads. No, <laughs> we were no, so close. What yeah, we were so oh. close. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was, we were right there. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ah, that, that, that smarts. That's smarts. Jordan from uh, Daytona Truck Meet yeah, yeah. texted me this morning at 6.15 a.m. Jordan texted me first. Oh, hold on. I got to read this text to you really quick here. Uh, if my phone will open. Uh, I wouldn't do my thumbprint. <laughs> I, I got to type it in manually here. Okay, let's go back here. Jordan. I know this guy. This is exciting for you guys listening. Jordan, uh, we've had him on twice now. Pretty pretty sharp guy, funny. And he wrote me this morning at uh, 6.44 a.m. I feel like my IQ just went up 100 points <laughs> from today's podcast. Holy sh! I want to be Gail's best friend. Right? Right? Like, you wish Gail was your grandpa, right? <laughs> like, like that's part of the deal. So I've got a guy who uh, works in our office, right? Yeah. And so he was the guy when I told you last episode, he had come by the office and said, mounted parameters. Yes. Or mounted parameters. Mounted, right. Yes. Get it right, man. So, so he sends me an email this morning and he's like, hey guys, just finished the Gail episode. First off, wow, I thought my grandpa was cool, but Gail takes it to a whole new level. He says, secondly, I was super excited to hear you mention me in the bonus content. He says, totally made my day. Had to shoot Gonderman a text and tell him how cool I am. Jason Gonderman at, at, uh, at Truck Train. He says, I've been listening since Hannah sang the opening jingle and a huge fan of the Adam Carolla podcast Empire. I got to say you. You two do a pretty damn good job. I look forward to every new episode. Love all the jingles. I'm logging into iTunes right now to rate you. Five stars. Nice. So, monitor, key, engine, he finishes his email and says, I'm in XL and you know where to find me. Obviously, he works with us. He says, although I don't want a truck show podcast shirt. Oh, what? He says, I want the first mounted parameter shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so that's from Jordan. So obviously, Gail, a huge hit. You guys have been responding. We've got a lot of emails that that you've been sending in about how awesome it was. I think it's a real treat for you. It was a treat for us. Um, glad we could kind of share a little bit of Gail with you because he's a super cool guy, and, and I, I'm glad we had him on the podcast. If you've finally. got a few minutes to uh, invest in a podcast, episode 19 with Gail Banks, you got to do yeah, it. Yeah. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman.
I'm not sure that we add anything to that No, but intro. it's fun to do, so <laughs> we told you guys from the beginning, we're in this for the fun. Like, this is our side project, a little passion project that Lightning and I have been working on for a while now, but uh, yeah, we just do that for fun. I'm not, I, I think for last episode, we did reduce the suckage. And but I feel like it might creep back into this well, episode. Well, because last episode was so good, how could, you know, our, our suckage level by comparison is going to be high tonight. Yeah, it is. Before we start the show, we've got uh, some good stuff for you. I, I promise you're going you're gonna to dig this. We have, first, we got to tell them we have Aaron Kaufman. Yeah, yeah my bearded know, brethren. Yes, it is. And, and F100 it, brethren. Yeah, and Chad Callender, who is the marketing manager for... Ford. Ford. For the Ranger. Ranger. Yes, yeah, exactly. So we're a little behind the scenes on that coming out, but... First, this uh, podcast wouldn't be possible without our friends at Nissan, so the Truck Show podcast presented by Nissan. And uh, how about that Titan in the, the warranty, huh? I'm saying I think it's got to be the best warranty ever. It's it's lifetime and, and 2 million miles, right? Uh, it's not, oh. uh, but it's pretty damn good anyway. So five years, 100,000 miles. and uh, Five years. Five years. Wow. Bumper to bumper, not just powertrain. Five year bumper to bumper. So you buy that truck today. What you talking about, Willis? So you buy that truck today, and in five years, 2023, your truck is still under warranty. warranty. Dang. And so I got a, I got another email from our friends at Nissan today. That said, stop talking about us. <laughs> no, no. They're like, hey. We, they're like, the suckage meter is like, it's No, it's no, like, no. They're okay. like, you guys are off. And they said, hey, um, remember how we offered you up that five-speed base model Frontier? Which I'm excited about. Yeah, still coming. Are we still, we're still going off, are we doing the Barstow running that thing or no? No, it's two-wheel drive. We'll do it in something else. Oh, okay, got it. And, uh, and so the... Uh, the email today, remember how we talked about the Titan Surf Camp, the one that's been lifted, big tires, outfitted, that was on the East Coast? The, yeah, the one that they're just teasing us with and they're never going to actually make that we can, we'll never see it. Well, we'll never see it because yeah. it's on the East Coast. Well, not just because that, there's only one. But wait a minute. Yeah. There's more. It's what do you mean there's more? It's coming to the West Coast and we get to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, so uh, we're going to have it um, hopefully sometime in August. So we will definitely uh, do something with the Tell show. Tell me that we can troll the Nissan dealers or in the local area right here. Oh, Let's yeah. go down like Harbor Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. And and just and just dip in the parking lot and wave and, dip and wave and they go and they're like, "Wait, what? you're the same guy who said I was a dick for doing that when we had the the Ram truck." When you're solo when it's both of us. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny. Yeah. Okay. All right, well then we we'll, we'll, we got like three or four Nissan dealerships around here. We'll have to bring that thing through and uh trolling and just wave. Nissan. They're like, <laughs> "Hey, uh, we got to call. Uh, can you not do that to our dealers?" We need Truck Show <laughs> podcast uh, stickers we can stick on the window when that thing uh, goes yeah. back to them, right? It's better than like a hot chick walking through their lot. They're like, hey, wh what the, who did, wow, wow, hey, come back, hey. Hey, oh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> All right, so on the show, episode, ooh, we're episode 20. Dude, 20, one more, and uh, we can drink. Yeah. <laughs> Truth be told, we uh, we might be drinking now. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we are. <laughs> so are we getting to Chad Callender first? Yeah, so uh, Chad Callender, the uh, marketing manager for Ford Ranger, let's give him a call. Okay. Hello, Chad. Chad Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you do? I'm doing great, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Hey, Fantastic. Be before we uh, start, we got to play your intro. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Vroom, vroom. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. It's time for the inside job. The inside We'll talk to an industry expert about how things are working, work, work. 
So this is where we talk to uh, Chad about how things worky work work. That's right. <laughs> so well, uh, I am super excited about that song. <laughs> so let me guess, back in the 80s, you were a Joy Division fan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we appreciate you putting up with that. We have a lot of silly jingles that people either love or hate, but... Uh, we do it anyway. Was, that one was for you. And you're, you you got the in, actual inside job, so it makes sense. Yeah, so, uh, so Chad is the, uh, tell me if I'm correct, the marketing manager for the upcoming Ford Ranger. That is correct. Yep, the all new 2019 Ranger. And so I, uh, I super excited about it. I got to tell you, I am as excited as you guys are. This is Holman, by the way. And uh, for me, I've owned several Rangers in my past. It was the first truck I ever owned. And uh, growing up here in Southern California, having a Ranger and that you could take out to the desert that was all done up was a big deal. And I had a four x four 2002 FX4 Level Two with. Uh, Pre-runner suspension. Are you just showing off? Yes. Did you call him just so you could like yes. gloat? I don't even get this. I, I cannot tell you how excited I am. Thanks for calling, Chad. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious about the decision to finally bring the truck back to the U.S. That is huge for you guys. Yeah, first off, congratulations on the uh, the O2 FX Level 2. That's a, that's a pretty awesome truck. Love that um, truck. Yeah, so, you know, Ranger's been on the market for a while. Um, the last model year we had uh, with it was 2011. So we stopped production in 2012 for the Ranger. And really, there was three kind of critical components for, for why we decided to bring it back. Uh, I think the first and foremost reason was we saw a lot of demand. The midside segment, surely when the Ranger that you have uh, was in market, it was more of a compact pickup truck, right? It was a smaller sure. scale uh, the, the trucks in this segment have grown into mid-sized trucks, we'll call them. And what we've, what we've seen is just tremendous growth in that segment. Lots of uh, interest people have in getting a maneuverable, parkable uh, vehicle that they can use both on and off-road, um, a little bit more nimble, if you will. So that was kind of number one was tremendous growth. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the number is, I want to say it's, and since 2014, I think the segment's grown 84%. Oh, my gosh. Like that. So just 84%? Phenomenal. <laughs> well, yeah. so here, the, the interesting thing about the segment was the last time everything was really redesigned, so um, Tacoma, Frontier, all of this was back in 2005. And Ranger sort of had the same platform for a long time and, and soldiered on past that. Um, but I remember talking to Ford executives multiple times over the past, you know, seven or eight years about the return of Ranger. And what I was always told was, well... We can't get to get the fuel economy that we want out of the truck. It's too close to F one fifty, and the expense that would go on it would would oh. be very close to F one fifty. So, if you can get a bigger truck with the same fuel economy for the same money, why would you want a Ranger? But my argument has always been, not everybody wants a full size truck. People want garageability. They live in the city. They maybe don't have the needs to tone haul as much, but maybe they have more lifestyle gear and mountain bikes and jet skis. And so, as Chevy really kind of re-entered the market. Tacoma got refreshed, and now all of a sudden there's this mid-sized battle going on. And, and my argument, and Chad, tell me if, if you think I'm right or wrong on this, I didn't feel like the market went away. Yes, people went to compact SUVs from the small truck or compact truck or mid-sized truck market, but I think they miss having that dirty space, right, in their SUV. They miss having a pickup bed, and they're waiting for the right product to come out. And the reality is I think that the market was abandoned by the manufacturers and they realize that there's a ton of pent-up demand now. Everybody's sort of coming back to it. Yeah, I, I do agree with your, your comment. I, I do believe there's a, there's a huge um, emphasis on, you call it the dirty space. It's just that the freedom that an open bed gives you to carry stuff and not worry about it, you know, with an SUV where it might, um, 
you know, you got a wetsuit or something muddy, it, it, it might it might get your, get your in, in, interior a little bit more uh, messy. And I mean, look, you're not going to carry sod. It you know the back of your SUV. Yeah. I mean, people do, but then it yeah. takes you two weeks to get that stuff out of or there. Or your Christmas tree, or like Chad said, your your surfboard or your wetsuit that has salt water and sand all over it, or your mountain bike or your gear, or going to Home Depot and getting some landscaping stuff. And I mean, there's just so much flexibility. And I think what Ranger is bringing back to the market, what it lacked before, is having a true crew cab. And so that being part of the formula now is awesome. Like that's the truck. I always wanted. I wanted the Mexican four-door Ranger because <laughs> it's the same wheelbase yeah. as our extended cab with a shorter bed, and it was awesome. But because of crash and all that stuff, it was never brought here. And that was always the truck I wanted. And now I'm looking at Ranger coming back. I'm going, ooh, that's yeah. that's pretty yeah. nice. <laughs> we've and we've been selling it around the the globe. Um, you know, we continued Ranger on in other markets, and it's done very very well. I mean, it's been a it's been a, a very successful product. It's actually number two globally in sales. And, it, and we don't sell one truck in the biggest truck market, the U.S. So, which is huge. So having um, so for all the reasons you just mentioned, um, you know, you wanted a, your your dream truck was the Mexican. Wait, wait till you see the U.S. one. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but we made a lot of really specific U.S. market enhancements to it to make it more capable, to make it tougher. Um, and, and really, you know, at truck at Ford, you've heard the mantra "built Ford tough" before. Um, that is that is not just a tagline for marketing. That is literally the way we make every decision on this uh, on our trucks. I, I've worked on Ranger for three years now, three wow. and a half years, and you know you make thousands of decisions collectively as as a, as a program, trying to decide how to how to do the right thing. And every one of those decisions, there was a thread of: Is this going to make the truck tougher? Is it going to make it durable? Is it going to make it more credible? Is it going to be off-road capable? Is it going to haul enough? Um, and so, all those characteristics went into um, what we're doing, not only with the bait, the Ranger that's sold out around the globe, but what, what the enhancements they made for this market. An example of that: In the U.S., we added a frame-mounted steel bumper, which I love, by the um, way. So, Love that. Yeah, and if you if you've seen the way sort of SUVs are now in the space, and, and even where some of our competitors are in midsize, it's it's a lot of plastic fascias, and 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 the, it just not only is it a symbol of toughness and strength, but it actually adds functionality, right? It it, it gives you a more protected front end. It, you can you know. It's able to take hits without cracking the front of your, uh, you know, your well, below your grill. And for those of us who are in the aftermarket, you may be wondering, oh, steel bumper versus a plastic fascia, whatever. The reality is, is what it allows you to do is for the aftermarket to do bumpers and stuff. They can put a really clean bumper replacement, worn or uh, worn or whoever winch mount on the front, but still keep the body lines of of where the grill and headlights are not have a ragged seam or anything. There's just a nice clean line. So it really lends itself well to aftermarket upgrades. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of trucks the guys are putting on aftermarket bumpers on and they just don't look right. Right, because they have to cut the plastic and here you could just replace the, the steel bumper. Or, you know, if you look at a Raptor, Raptor has a steel bumper and the Ranger bumper kind of looks a lot like the Raptor. I prefer to think that Chad's team built the perfect bumper and I don't want to change it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Chad's counterpart in, yeah. in uh, Ford Performance Parts is going, well, I might have something to say about that. <laughs> so, so Chad, Absolutely. can you name another uh, another feature that you're really proud of? That I don't know. Um, you guys went, you vacillated on back and forth on the uh, on the Ranger. That you're like, well, do we do it? And what really yeah. is Ford? I'd like to hear a victory. Yeah, absolutely. So, so 
you know, we, we, we really, when we set out to, to make this, we wanted it to have that, that stamp of built for tough, right? Anything less than that was not going to be, you know, credible in, in, in this market. And, and we didn't want to disappoint our customers with, with a, a subpar vehicle, a, a little brother, if you will, uh, to the, to the F series. So what we did do is we decided, um, what are some things that, that customers really care about? And, and, and we realized that there's a very big focus on adventure, right? You had mentioned, you know, snowboards and other things. So we wanted to make this truck really capable in off-road space. So we did a lot of things with the U.S. version uh, of the vehicle to give it uh, better departure angles, uh, better breakover, um, better approach angles. We added, uh, you know, we've got a, it's got a, um, uh, fully boxed frame on it, um, but specifically on adventure and off-road, we created an FX4 package. And I know you're familiar with FX4 from your level two uh, a few years back. Uh, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised with what we've got in the FX4 package. It'll have not only the things you we offer in some of the other trucks in FX4, like skid plates and off-road tube suspension, uh, but it's also going to have unique tires, off-road tires it's going to have two pieces of technology that are really really cool that are going to also launch with the new raptor on the uh f-150 uh at the end of the year one of them is called trail control uh and what trail control is is really it's an off-road cruise control it manages your the individual grip loss of each wheel and it's sending either torque or braking to each individual wheel. So it, so it enables a, like an advanced off-roader to do things that they couldn't normally do. But it also gives a space to a novice off-roader to get some confidence that they'll avoid, they'll avoid getting uh, into trouble and help them get out of trouble. If they yeah, do. basically so takes feature. out the, the throttle control from the driver. So the, the vehicle manages that while the driver steers. And so it's really nice for, uh, you know, somebody who is a novice off-road, like, off-roader, like you said, who now can like focus? You're looking at me. I am looking talking. at you. <laughs> um, and you know, we, we, when the Ranger comes out, we'll have to take uh, we'll have to take Lightning out and let him try it. But it's really cool because it allows you to concentrate on picking your line, and it handles the speed and it handles the traction and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's it's definitely very cool in that respect. And you could, I would assume, you could disable it for guys like you, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And and the and the cool thing about it is it literally you know you can you can use this feature all the way up to you know twenty miles per hour or so. Wow, that's pretty fast. You're going down a yeah, you're going down a let's say a, a grass pathway, and then all of a sudden you know you're going forty or something, and then you come <laughs> up to a maybe a rock bed. You can just decrease your speed down to to twenty miles an hour, and it functions kind of using your uh, cruise control uh, you know buttons and, and capabilities. And you can just set it and, like you said, manage the guidelines, make sure you're on the path, maintain that speed. If you brake even further, let's say you want to take it down to, like, seven miles an hour, the moment you take your foot off the brake, it just maintains that seven. Um, and so it's a really – it gives you a very nice ability to control, um, you know, your, your your maneuverability in these uh, often difficult terrains. Chad, I, I'm really – lightning. I'm, I'm really curious about the suspension. In Southern California here, we see a lot of guys – with the older Rangers, and they've long traveled them, and they're they're pre runners, and they haul ass through the desert, um, cruising to the whoops. I'm curious what you have right off the shelf for that application, or are you going to let the aftermarket just run wild with it? Yeah, was it designed to be at least aftermarket friendly? Because the Ranger was a staple in the pre running scene for a decade it or more. It still is, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah, the, so it'll be coilovers in the front, and it'll be uh, leaf springs in the back. Um, 
you know, for the, for the basic configuration. And then all that is tuned for specifically for, for handling better dampening with the, with the FX4 package. Uh, so the base, the base truck straight out the bat, whether it's a four by two or a four by four, uh, will have a, a very solid performance. In fact, I just test drove, uh, about a week ago, uh, one of our prototypes out at our track, um, along with some of our competitive offerings. And I was, uh, I was really amazed at how well it can handle bumps and just flatten out the, the, you know, the impact, um, where I, you know, I felt like in, in, in some other, uh, the vehicles that I was trying, we were kind of bouncing around a lot and, and, and the way that that suspension just absorbed the hits and, 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 and smoothed it out quickly before the next hit came was, was pretty impressive. And a lot of that has to do with your fully box frame and solid foundation because there's still competitors out there that don't offer a fully box frame to this day. And in fact, that platform has been around for a decade or more, just has a freshened body on top of it. So you guys are really coming to the market with a brand new truck. Yeah, we feel that's, that's really sort of critical to, to, to stamping that built for tough, having the, the structure, the infrastructure, the, the base you know, backbone of the truck being extremely strong and uh, being able to manage the, any load we put on it or any duress we put it through. What's a, Chad, what, what are one of the features that you think sets it completely apart from the other guys? Yeah, your marketplace differentiation. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think one of the one of the main factors is actually the powertrain. Um, I think that's truly a why buy. Um, it will have a, a two point three liter EcoBoost um, engine, which we're, is we're going to pair that with familiar. Yeah, if you ahead. so the the two point three is the same engine that uh, has been in Mustang. It's been in uh, what, what are the other? If you're a Ford guy, Explorer, what, Explorer, okay, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so we currently have it in the Mustang and the Explorer. Um, and so that engine, we're also going to pair with a, uh, automatic 10 speed select shift transmission, which is the same transmission that's in the F-150. Which I really like that uh, transmission then, a, a lot. In fact, yeah. you know, at Truck Trend and in four wheeler, we've tested that in the F-150 as well as the Raptor. And what's really awesome is you think 10 speed, wow, that thing's going to be shifting all the time and it'll never be in the right gear. I'm amazed at just how well that, that transmission, um, finds the right gear and keeps you there without hunting and things like that. I mean, it's, it's a really, really well uh, paired to all the drivetrains that I've experienced it in so far. So I would assume it's the same with the 2.3. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's extremely smooth. And uh, not only does it give you a good driving experience, good off the line, good acceleration at mid speeds, um, and a smooth overall ride. But, but the, the key I think is, you know, customers tell us, yeah, they, they, they want capability, right? They want horsepower and torque and payload and uh, towing, but they also want fuel economy. And what we're doing is, I believe, truly the and solution. They can get V6 level power and capability and four-cylinder fuel economy when, when you combine that that turbocharged engine and, the, and that transmission. Uh, it, it's, it's What's interesting about that is it's a choice, right? And a lot of our, our competitors in the space have really chosen to give you a fuel saver entry level engine. And then you pay some amount of money to upgrade to a, to more of a performance oriented derivative, like a V6. Uh, but with that comes fuel economy loss to gain that capability. We're going to deliver both right out of the bat across the lineup, up and down standard on the vehicle. And, and I'm guessing at this point, you're not ready to divulge power or fuel economy numbers. Those yes, are still is. to come. Yeah, no, no, he's going to, he's going to tell us all that <laughs> right now. <laughs> can, can you, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we, so 
we, we haven't revealed numbers yet. We're still going for our final testing. This is why we need an in-studio guest, because we can be Chad. Wink twice if we're close. <laughs> <laughs> If I, am I high, higher or lower? Push, no, hey, no, no, Chad, push the star key. If it's gonna... <laughs> Let's go back to offering real quick because there's uh, two things mm-hmm. about I, I want to touch on. Number one, will you have a rear locker available? Yeah, so so an e locker will be available. In, it'll be included in the FX4. Very package. cool. Nice. Uh, it's also mm. optional if you don't get the FX4. <laughs> oh, okay. So you can get it four, in other trucks. On on both two wheel and four wheel drive. Wow. Um, so it's it, yeah it's it, we 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 believe strongly in the power of choice at Ford and you know being able to sort of configure the vehicle you want and and to to further that point that FX four package which I've spoken a lot about that is not something that you have to get the highest most equipped truck on you can get that oh, on so it's not a trim level it's a true off road package so you can apply FX four to anywhere in the trim uh, walk oh that's cool yes. Yeah, and Very just cool. speaking of trim, real quick, we'll have we'll have three series on the truck. We'll have a, a base XL, um, which we will have a really attractive STX package on. Uh, which, if you're familiar with our full yeah. size trucks, it's a little bit more sporty look and feel. Uh, then we'll go to the the mid level, which is uh, you know an XLT. Now that's going to come a little bit more well equipped. It's going to have a lot more technology in it. Um, and then we'll have a Lariat, which will be a high end, and that's going to come with like leather seats and fully loaded, and you know LED headlamps and tail lamps and the like. So, so that's the one um, I want. Have, no, I'll take the Lariat yeah. FX4, please. And, <laughs> and then on top of that, along with the FX4 choice, we also have various appearance packages which help you cater to the look you want. So we have a very attractive base package, which is a lot of body color bumpers and door handles and things like that. And then we have a Sport package, which is my personal favorite, which has it's it's got a lot of dark accents. It's got dark wheels, it's got dark bumpers, dark wheel lips, door handles, mirror caps, all that, and then a chrome version of the same thing. So depending on kind of what your interests are, you can get a kind of a monochromatic look or a chrome look or sort of a dark accented sport. I'll, I'll take monochromatic uh, because uh, in the off road world, as they say, chrome won't get you home, Chad. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. The other the, the other thing I wanted to hit on a little bit is some of the technology. I, I, it, it's it's surprising. Um, you know, if, if you're familiar with Ford vehicles, you know we offer a lot of technology, driver assist as well as convenience features. But but you don't see too much of that in the midsize pickup. Not at space. all. Um, yeah. So what we're doing is we Ford has has launched a, a safety uh, driver assist package called Copilot Protect. Uh, that is basically a combination of features like lane departure, warning, and assist, which kind of keep and manage you if you're veering out of your lane. Uh, it'll warn you and actually correct you with a little nudge of the steering wheel back into place. Uh, we'll have uh, blind spot indicator uh, warning, which is basically if there's somebody in your blind, not only your blind spot, but the blind spot of anything you're towing. And I don't think um, anybody in the uh, midsize market offers that at all. Not even the towing, yeah, let alone true. the towing blind spot, the, the, the drive assist blind spot. The, the class exclusive part of it is the t- trailer tow piece. Um, th- there is some blind spot indicator systems on, on, on one of our competitors, but the ability to also know what your what's in the blind spot of your trailer yeah. is, is is a is a classic that's pretty unique it'll also we talked about maneuverability and parkability we'll have you know rear park aids and front park aids and, and all that stuff the sensors to help you maneuver uh when you're when you're in tight spots all right and, you know and, and if you all, can't park your ranger <laughs> you got a problem yeah you should not be driving an there's a guy truck. there's a guy who is listening right now who has an f-450 lifted on like 40s and he's like 
pulled my beard and watched this. <laughs> if you want a Love garageable it. truck, but you want everything you can get in your F-150, but you just want a smaller version of that, then this is, sounds like it's going to be a great option for somebody who they just don't want a full-size truck. Maybe they can afford a full-size truck. Maybe they love the feature set of a full-size truck. They just don't need that much truck. This sounds like a great option for, for somebody like that to have something that'll fit in their garage, in their driveway, and, and do all the things that they want to do if they're not towing a 10,000-pound trailer or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what we designed to do uh, and really, really play to the to the needs of what customers are, are asking us for that's awesome chad congrats appreciate it this is uh yeah yeah, yeah. can't wait to sit our what? butts in one thank, thank you. you very much yeah thanks so much man we really appreciate your time we know that uh you're on the east coast time being in detroit and also uh no it was a pleasure guys i really appreciate it and I, i'd love to come back and talk more as we as we've got some more info to share very cool sounds like a plan we'll All talk right. to you soon you're the best thanks chad thanks Howdy, Holman, I think it's time for email. Are you cool with that? Dude, we have so many emails. Email. You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right, you want to go first or am I going first? You go first. All right. This one's coming to uh, it's from Michael. He says, uh, hey, Lightning and Holman, love the show. I'm from Anaheim, and I listen to every episode on the way up to Toronto. Dang, that's a long-ass drive. that's a long <laughs> drive. <laughs> Ouch. I'm uh, really good friends with Brooke Woofter. Oh, okay, so Brooke is the daughter of Gary Woofter, who is Fabtech. A, of Fabtech. Yeah. Yes. And she is actually the one that told me to listen. Cool. She didn't ask him, told him yeah, to listen. Yeah, you like will that. listen to the Truck Show podcast. Brooke, we love you. So Brooke and I are getting into rebuilding Jeeps soon and are trying to start a business. Interesting. What kind of business oh, he wants to be? Okay. Um, we'd love to hear more about that market, which, you know, we, we talk a lot yeah, about uh, Jeep. So, sure. I also learned a lot in your diesel power episode. I'm a huge diesel fan. I drive a 1990 K5 Blazer, and I'm looking into putting a 6.6 Duramax in it. Keep up the good work. Oh, and I love the intros, and I'm also a large. <laughs> All right. right. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we'll talk more about it. I think we're, we'll circle back to that topic. Oh, again. dude, that's, yeah, that topic is always lurking, right? Okay. Like, it's always around. Okay. Up. I got one from uh, from Ryan here. He says, hey, guys, return emailer here. No, wait, did he say, hey, guys? Hey, guys. Did he do hey, the guys. big radio announcer guy? Hey, guys. I think he did this. Hey, guys. No, 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 I think he did this. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, what's up? Yeah, just kind of like that. Kind of mm-hmm. with the, He had a little bit of a, his head leaned back. A little, little bit. You know what I mean? Where you, you put your jaw up and he goes, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah. All right, let me do it that way. Hey, guys. No, eh, not enough energy now. Yeah. Uh, return emailer here. So first off, thanks for the shirt. Nice work, Lightning. Hey, mm-hmm. wait. What? I get nothing for that? No, I, helped, I helped do the logo. No, you didn't. Okay. Secondly, I'm interested to hear what kind of dialogue you guys might kick off on the manual Nissan Frontier that Nissan's sending your way. My company's work fleet is all 2015 manual Frontiers, so I'm in one about 650 <laughs> miles a week. He says, some things I've learned over 105,000 miles in a manual four-banger Frontier. Number one, you can manually crank up a window faster than any electric system if the occasional swarm of bees happens to pass by. Interesting. (laughs) It takes about 60,000 miles to wear the shift knob texture down to a glass smooth finish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I can average 21 miles per gallon pretty much regardless of any driving style. Okay, good to know. He says, like you guys mentioned, there's something cool about driving a bare bones truck, but I think this formula is probably on its way out, especially when today's full-size trucks are beating the MPGs as little trucks are getting. A mid-size truck outfitted with big four cylinders, no doubt durable and reliable, but unless you're slipping clutches at every stoplight, keeping up with traffic is a bit of a chore. I guess performance doesn't always have to mean towing capability or acceleration. It can mean durability and reliability. These manual frontiers have that in spades. And that's what ends up making you fall in love with these bare bones trucks. 
Let us know what your best 0 to 60 time is. I'm bearing the throttle right now, so I'll send you guys back another email <laughs> when my truck gets to 60. Ryan. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens, all right? This one's from Matthew. Um, so I got a good story for you. When I was a teen, my dad had a 56 Chevy wagon project car. He tried to navigate a Taco Bell drive through with the wagon on a trailer. Needless to say, he got really stuck and eventually had to back out Taking out some of the landscaping, I was forced to get out and do a walk of shame up to the drive-thru window to retrieve our food. Love the show. Finnegan and the K-Rock Connection brought me over, and I have since listened to all of your shows. Keep up the good work. Matthew, XL. All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right. I got one from Troy here. Thanks for representing all of us truck guys. Great podcast. Really enjoy your guests, news, and content. I'm working my way through the episodes and trying to get caught up, but had to comment on some older topics. About the article from that lady who was hating on trucks, she mentioned how trucks take up too much room in parking lots. She has a point, but shouldn't we as truck owners be blasting whoever decided that a Prius or smart car is a standard vehicle for for parking spot with? Yeah, true. (laughs) I, I can't argue with that point. Seriously, is that what the average American vehicle can fit into? Who should we be complaining to? Uh, you actually have some friends who have a podcast called The Complaint Department. Yes. Maybe you should send it to those guys, right? I, we, we should have them on our show. We should. It's we funny. We should do a uh, cross-pollinization of podcasts. I, I would love to do that. That would be fun. He says the same common sense applies to these drive throughs Not just the turning radius, but like your story in the Vegas airport, the height restrictions as well. I drive a Mercedes Sprinter van for work. Yes, I'm spoiled. No, I'll probably oh, never own a screwed. European vehicle. He says, but it has a ladder rack and it doesn't fit under anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says, and the last thing is you asked for breakdown story. This story isn't about a hauling debacle or road trip nightmare. Sorry if it opens up the floodgates for wheeling stories if you haven't already opened that Pandora's box, but I had to share. I live in Oregon, and my wheeler's a 91 Samurai. A buddy helped me do the 1.6 sidekick swap before a test trip outside of Bend. About midday, I noticed the shifter knob seems to be out of place. Sure enough, when I popped the hood, the passenger side motor mount had broken. My buddy Matt says, Ah, it should be fine. I've seen these things run for years <laughs> with broken motor mounts. So off we go. Literally 50 yards further, the shift knob drops about four inches. <laughs> yep, you guessed it. The other motor mount gave up as well as the engine is now sitting on the front pumpkin. We spent the rest of Saturday tracking down replacements, ended up with a Dodge 318 mount that we had to drill out, then trail swapped into the Sammy. Best part was when I picked up the engine so Matt could remove and replace the mounts. We got back to camp around midnight. Good times. Thanks again for the podcast. I'm loving it. Troyer, uh, size XL. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think we're gonna, awesome. I got to print some more damn shirts. Oh, All right. This man. one's from Matthew. Gents, like many reviews you've read, I hated the songs when I first started listening. But the more I've listened, which is every episode, I've come to really enjoy them. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, subs- I love the backhanded compliments. Yeah. <laughs> right? I subscribe to many podcasts, and I often have to delete some just to keep up. But I never delete the Truck Show podcast. I did, however... Delete Carcast with Adam Carolla. <laughs> Can Although, we say, wait? We're gonna have Matt on, right? Can we save this email well, for when wait, he goes wait, on? Wait, 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 wait. He says I still listen to the Wednesday podcast okay. with Matt and Goldberg. Okay, okay. Keep up the awesome work, you guys. Love the show. Medium shirt, please, and thank you, Matt. Oh, that's, oh, cool. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we got. We'll tell uh, Matt, oh. the moderator, that. Uh, Corolla's car cast is losing. Yeah, steam. we're picking. Yeah. We're picking off listeners one at a time. All right, and I've got uh, I've got one uh, one oh, more. By the way, stop! What's with the freaking ants in here, dude? I know. Our, Why? There's two on my control board. There's three, and there's ants a fly right in now. here too. What's happening? I have in no here? idea. Did someone leave like a soda? Is there sugar? I know. There's got to be. We right? cleaned up all of our wiener shits no, and we, trash. We totally did. I think. What? Is happening. Something's under the couch. Is it? Something is under the casting couch. Yeah, the, the, the ant thing has just got to, we got to call, there's no one to call. Super distracting. 
What do we, Super there's, there's no one to call. Who's going to Nobody cares about it. I mean, <laughs> do we fog it? We're, oh, yeah. We'll fog it and our, our electronics no, will catch it on no, fire. No, we can't fog it because eventually we're going to have a, get, a guest in here. They'll be like, dear God, what oh, is this? Oh, my God. Smell. Yeah. It's, oh, well. It's, right. it's you got our, another email over there? It's our, uh, it's our life here in the uh, podcast studio. All right. Uh, from Travis, he says, I discovered the podcast through Mike Finnegan's Instagram. After listening to his episode, I listened to the Freiburger, then the Fred Williams episode, and I was hooked. I started from the beginning and quickly caught up. I'm a diehard 72 to 93 Dodge truck guy, but am enamored with all the new truck information and started looking into the 2019 Ram. The jingles are hokey, but catchy, and I find myself singing them in my head (laughs) at random moments during the day. Keep up the great work and keep that content coming. Thank you so much, Travis. We really appreciate it. Travis, I'm not going to play a jingle for you, but I just, because I I think you deserve this. Travis, thank you for giving Lightning the opportunity to play that clip. We haven't played it yet on the show, have we? Uh, I don't think so. Did we do it in the beginning? We forgot. We might have. I think we did do it. I think we're so (laughs) numb to it now. Mounted parameters. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I'm so excited about our next guest because we have something really cool for everybody. Yeah, let's uh, let's dial Mr. Are we we ready to dial Mr. Aaron Kaufman? Whoa, wait. What? Wait, what? Aaron Kaufman? Yes. The bearded dude? I didn't tell you that we're calling him? <laughs> no, you did. Oh, okay. I, just, I was going to say, how did you not know? We talked about it like 10 minutes ago. I know. Ago. We've been talking about it forever, and I'm still amazed that uh, that he actually wants to talk well, to us. Dial before he uh, changes his mind. Yeah. <laughs> More mission. <laughs> All right, I'm dialing. Here we All go. Right, okay. Watch him not pick up. <laughs> Hello. Mr. Aaron Kaufman, it is Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, guys? (laughs) Thank you for carving out the time. I think before we can allow you to talk, we want you to pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? Because we because if you were here, Aaron, you'd, you'd pull, pull up a stool, a stool and you would share. But that's you're not. not actually true. If he <laughs> yeah. was here, he'd I'm pull not, up an office I'm, chair. I'm not sure. I felt I felt uh, compelled to go inside and pull up the stool, but going to do it. I'm kind of. Ro- I just finished up in the shop in there earlier, and so I'm uh, rolling around the parking lot. I'm a uh, uh, SE Big Cruiser here, so. Nice, nice, nice. So much to get to, Aaron. So we'll we'll go as quickly as we can, but. No, I'm lying. We're not going to go that quickly. No, we have too no. much to talk to you Dude, about. Dude, I'm too excited about that. Like, like Aaron Aaron <laughs> is my bearded brother, right? Number one. And then number two... Well, he hasn't seen you, so he doesn't but know... But he doesn't that. know that. I'm just telling him, right? right? okay. And, uh, and then also, the fact that he has, you know, total F100 love. Yeah. So, uh, I was... I, I texted Aaron a little while ago to say, hey, just, just FYI, we're going to be calling you. He didn't and, text you back, did he? What, yes, he did. He texted me back with a photo <laughs> of his F100. No, no, no text or anything at first. Just, just like, hey, check this out, yeah, mother effort. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then I that's, sent him uh, yours. That's, that's one thing. Um, I, I can be, I can be pretty hard to get a hold of. But uh, uh, you know, Jay hits me back and says, "Hey, uh, we can get this call." And I said, "Heck yeah!" I thought he uh, might be into uh, into checking out some of what was going on here at the shop. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we have uh, we've got mad love for that for that truck you're working on. And so let's hear. I want to hear about that truck. For, well, tell me about that, and then we'll tell you a little bit about uh, Holman's here that he's working on. Sure. I imagine that must have been that uh, that black uh, bump side with the EcoBoost, right? It's the uh, it's the Ferrari Grigio gray one with the uh, GM Victory red roof. Oh yeah. Okay, that's it. In the picture, it looked kind of it looked different, different color. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. I uh, definitely worked on some uh, some eco boost. I got some love there. But here at the shop, and we just uh, here recently wrapped up uh, a television show, the end of the first season, shifting gears. 
So initially, we thought we were going to be able to work on the new F100 parts and the show simultaneously. As it turns out, building race cars in, uh, you know, in, uh, in a couple months is, uh, is a pretty strong task, so we didn't have much time to get uh, work on the F100 stuff. So finally, after wrapping the season, we're back in uh, full swing on the F100 parts and awesome. trying to get things fixed and trying to get parts on the shelf. And, you know, initially, you know, my, my interest is in big power, big brakes, big, you know, big turn, pro-touring stuff. But, the uh, as it turns out, it's a lot of money to get one of those trucks. So we decided to kind of scale back and change the the direction on it a little bit and uh, work on the stuff that, that regular folks can afford and install in the driveways. And we really feel that it's a much bigger success plan for ourselves, not to mention the consumer. Aaron, when you started ArcLight, you know everyone knows you from you know, from your other your other show, Fast and Loud, and then you 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 broke off. You you start ArcLight, and then you have a dream of doing vintage trucks but you immediately get sidetracked from at least it looks to me and you're doing these crazy builds for the tv show how does that affect your 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 business plan and what you want to do with your life basically well it's it's you know it's like there's always uh you know on the way to work you can't be sure that you're going to go straight there there's oftentimes detours and road construction and wrecks and uh, you know i think life's a lot of the same way you know this was kind of a you know a means to an end i enjoy doing the entertainment uh, but, you know, television, what it does to cars and car building is I'm glad that it puts it out there for the masses and encourages people to do it. But it's definitely hard on us as builders. Uh, the time frames are wild. And they're not based on what it takes to build the car. They're based on what it takes to film a show or what can be budgeted for the show. So, you know, so that was it was it was exciting to do the new show. That's for sure. But it was disappointing to sidetrack the manufacturing aspect of things, and that's something that I've wanted to do for so long. Ever since the first time I opened a box of parts and I was going to put them on short, I said, I want to be the guy that makes these things, that put the, you know, puts them in, builds it, puts them in a box, people open it, and they can, you know, they can expedite their happiness, basically. I, I tried yeah. to uh, track you down when you started ArcLight because I wanted to do something in, like, Truck and Magazine or, or one of our magazines with you. And so I'm so glad we're finally able to be able to talk. But, yeah, talking about the, the show builds and, and the unrealistic expectations for the average guy. I mean, I, I run the truck and off-road group at our company, and my truck is going on four years of being done. And so, you know, the whole pitfalls so, look, of everything, it's crazy what happens. Let me, let, me, let me break it down for you. Because we've built so many vehicles and so many different styles, one thing I, find, I finally ran across and realized, and what's funny is there's a real aha moment here for a lot of people, is people get so frustrated because they see the stuff on TV, and uh, it doesn't matter what the outcome really is, but they see these cars built in, you know, in an hour or in two, maybe, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's suffice it to say they don't come together that fast. And one thing people are always surprised to understand is that we run into exactly the same problems that everybody runs into if not more, because of the speed that we're building at. And so and so the cars really do exist. We really do build them. They really get done that quickly. And so what, it's really, really insane. But one thing we find out is most driver cars, which are what I really enjoy building, are driver cars. Because once, if you build these knockdown, drag out, you know, show cars, what it is is it's an example of how talented you are, but it might not be a car. It's really just a sculpture. And so I really enjoy building drivers, but drivers happen I have a somewhere. great sculpture right now. It's a really heavy sculpture <laughs> sitting over on it's the racket bank. It's, it's a paper weight. Uh, <laughs> no, that's it. Not necessarily paper, but concrete weight. It holds the floor down in the shop. Exactly. So the... Uh, you know, the, the one thing is, is we find the drivers tend to happen at about 1,200 to 1,500 hours. Now, you know, think, well, uh, that sounds reasonable. Well, here's, I'll break it down for you for regular guys. 
for most guys that have obligations, wives, children, homes, that you know, t-ball practice, all kinds of stuff going on, they can devote what appears to me about 300 hours annually a year, and that's pretty dedicated, you know. And then on top of that, most guys can really kind of put maybe ten thousand dollars a year uh, towards uh, towards their project build. So if you're building if you're building a, a pretty neat car, if you're building a, a lot of you know fun drug big power kind of thing, you're going to spend you know in the neighborhood of fifty grand on the vehicle, and you're going to take fifteen hundred hours to build it. At so least for most guys, it's about at least it's about it's about four years. So three to four years. Hey, I'm right on track. <laughs> you are. Hey, that's right a hot, I, I'm telling you right now the hour the hours. You know, it's the funny thing about math; it never changes. And you know, we find that all the time. So we we measure stuff right. We put it in a car. Holy. The tape measure does work. Oh, dude. I mean, you, you talk about that on on my truck. It was like what we call a 10-footer, right? From 10 feet away when I bought it, it looked great. But it was a Texas truck. And you MFers in Texas do so much shit down there when we... So my I took the truck, we took the cab, and we took the bed off. We had it sandblasted, and the cab literally disintegrated. Oh. And so, so somebody, full-on Texas backyard fix, what had happened was they had taken roof, you know, tin and use sheet metal screws to cover up the holes in the floorboard, and then they put fiberglass over it, sure to shape the fiberglass like the, 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 uh, you know, the indentations in the floorboard, line X the top, line X the bottom. So when you put it on the lift and then cut all the, cut all the screw ends oh, off, put it up on the lift, you're thinking, yeah, okay, that looks okay. The cab literally disintegrated at the blaster, and so I was down. I was never going to take it down to frame rails. It ended up going all the way to frame rails. I had to find a cab, which ended up being a 69 or 70 cab. Sure. My truck was a 67. As you know, 67s are one year only on the F100. There's a bunch yep. of weird differences. I've got, got one in the yard right now. So I've got a 70 cab with 67 doors, and I'm impressed that it the door fit is way better than any C10. Just going to say that right now. It's amazing that hey, those doors they, fit that cab that well. <laughs> they, they do. You know, it's like I really don't get in. So we, we, you know, we've got big love for Chevrolets, and we've got big love for our Fords, obviously. But it's like, you know, there, there's some areas, you know, we really, we are really are big Ford fans. And I'm not going to say that they're this or that or better than uh, Chevrolet in certain regards. But, you know, sometimes these, these things really do come together really nice. We've been impressed with a lot of the fit on some of these old pickup trucks. And, you know, and the old adage was work a Ford, drive a Chevy. And so, you know, these old, these old trucks had a hard life oh, and yeah. they still go together this well. What is it, Aaron, about the F100 that it's so magical for you? Because from the first time, I think... You and I talked at some event in Las Vegas. You were all about that truck. Why? Well, I, I mean, well, kind of. I wish I had a, a better answer, but I can tell you this, right? So, you know, I've always been a truck guy, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to to, to put my finger on. But it's like you know, we build all these cars, we build race cars, we invest a lot of time and energy in. It. But the funny thing about our pickup trucks is the one that took us to work, to birthdays, to funerals, to weddings, to job interviews, to the lumber yard, and say, and it never got any love. And you get oil change, you know, every four or five years, you know, change the filter and keep on rolling. And so I've just always been a truck guy, you know, kind of came into it through mini trucks and, uh, and laying them out, bags, big wheels. And it's always been a truck guy and just really never got into cars. And then one day, my, my dad's a diehard Chevrolet guy. He really is. And it, I never really was one way or the other. But one day I look around the driveway and, oh, my God, everything I own is Ford. And, you know, you get right down to it. I'm, I'm so enamored with the company. I really I adore the history. And for, for all the, the strangeness and weirdness that, that Henry possessed, I think he did something that was absolutely amazing and uniquely American. Uh, granted, influenced by all sorts of things. But 
but I love the company. I love what they did. I love the philosophies, and uh, and I'm just a, a big fan of the uh, the pickup truck. And uh, I've just become such a Ford fanatic. And then on top of that, you know, having a love affair with trucks, it just seemed natural. Now you said something there. I'm going to take this sideways. For yeah, a right. We're going sideways. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were a mini trucker. I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, completely. I didn't yeah. know that. And I so you got to have mini trucking stories from from so, back in the day. So we should back up a little bit. So so I, I actually knew that you had a history of mini truck through some of my mini truck friends. So one of our magazines we used to own or have is Mini Truck and Magazine, right? But what's funny yep. is uh, everybody we talk to seems to have some weird route somehow through mini trucking at some point, whether they're classic, lifted, lowered, full size, mid size, whatever, they all go, Oh, and then I started with mini trucks. And it's so funny, it's like this running theme through the show that all these mini truckers have graduated from mini trucking and go and have done great things. It's really funny. Man, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, that's one thing we look around and we see, and there are so many people from the mini trucking world that have progressed and moved on and done these great things. And, you know, it's like to find a lot of uh, a lot of builders' roots in mini trucks doesn't seem that weird at all to me, just a generational difference. When you think about the, you know, some of these, these heavy hitter hot rod builders uh, that came out of the early 50s, you got to think these guys are building the early Fords. We're talking about 25 and $50 cars. They're starting with the cheapest things that were available. Overhead valve motors that just become available, and they're in the wrecking yards in droves. Because people are wrecking them. <laughs> our, our, so, last, so some- our last episode, we had Gail Banks on, and he was talking about yep. his the very first uh, vehicle that he built was like a $25 Studebaker, and they're talking about like all the spare parts they just throw over the fence and like that and and it, it's awesome so to hear you say that for today yeah kill for it yeah and and that's and that's exactly it is that is that we're just looking at you know think to all oh, mini trucks what you understand is we're talking about rear wheel drive front engine rear wheel drive vehicles right essentially hot rods and they're cheap they're cheap cheap yep. cheap and and there's no there's no arguing that so as a young man as a as a young guy as a kid trying to trying to get into this thing are you going to go out and buy something that has a, such a high entry rate you know price or are you going to buy something that fits your budget and reliable and you can haul yeah. your haul your tool your toolbox and your welder around when you have to and it's like so it's your hot rod and your work vehicle at the same time and they're really really cheap and ultimately if you made a disaster out of it you know what? Nobody's going to be that upset. But ultimately, not to compare early Ford hot rods to mini trucks, but ultimately, it was really based on financial situation. They did the best with what they had. It just turns out that the mini truck in the 1950s was really slick, you know. And so, ultimately, I had I wouldn't I wouldn't change one truck, one minute, one moment, one road trip. And the neat thing about my mini trucking days were is it was all it was all about you know the. The people and the neat thing was it was so driven by the paper, by the uh, by the magazines, by the rags. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. So I, at, at my gas station, I knew what time the magazine came on what <laughs> night, and I got and I got the first one because I'd be damned if I if it was empty when I got there the next day. <laughs> what did you then, drive? You know, the neat thing was what was your what was oh, your mini man. truck? Well, so we, I mean, Rangers, Zuzus, all kinds oh, of stuff. Zuzu, I had, uh, yeah. And we were, and we were <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, built, built quite a few Nissan and hard bodies. Which yeah, oh, we love, love the hard, hard body. body. Yeah. Love the and Nissan then, hard body. Yeah, graduated to full-size trucks, but I was at graduate. We're still doing mini truck stuff with our mini truck friends. The trucks just got bigger, you know. Rad. Now, and, were you were, were you bagging and, them? What were you doing? Were you were they fixed yeah, suspension? Or? You're laying frame, or no? It's and pretty pretty much it. So we're talking, you know. So I graduated in 2000. So I was cutting up trucks in 98, 99, and so and I had I'd, I'd done a little four-wheel drive stuff with the Cherokee into my driveway. And I'll tell you the the short story of how I get into this, which is one I get asked a lot. Is uh, I had this little Cherokee saved up my nickels and dimes mowing lawns. And and uh, and I bought this thing had a locked up transmission. Got XJ? it on the road. 
Yeah, XJ okay. two door eighty four oh, Cherokee. So yeah. the Cher- so people don't know that the XJ Cherokee was the exact same as the four door, except it had longer front doors and just was missing the right. rear doors. And they were the otherwise identical. But people like to off road with the two doors because the chassis those are unibody, right? So if you don't yep. know what you're doing, you mess it up. But what's cool is the chassis was a little bit tighter on those because you didn't have the rear door openings. And so XJ two doors, and they didn't make them for the whole XJ run. The last years of XJs that nope. were classics, there weren't two doors. And so that's a badass. Nope. That's a badass ride right there. That was that was my first. That was probably my first custom. Uh, so my first truck was like a 90, uh, 91 Ranger, right? But then my first custom build was that XJ two-door. And uh, and so I lifted it, had a driveline vibration. And then so I ordered a driveline vibration repair kit. And it was uh, it turns out it was a pair of one-by-two rectangle tubing with some holes. <laughs> open, the, open the box. Opened the box and then looked at it and I said, you know what, if this is all it is, I could have built this. And so what I decided from then on out is if I needed anything, I would build it. If I couldn't build it, then they still sold it and I could I could still get it done. Awesome. As it turns out, I could I could build some stuff. And then, you know, you just your confidence grows and you keep on building. But uh, but no, you know, it's like on the main truck thing, right away I got a, uh, you know, laid out. Uh, we were doing air ride, air ride, air ride, air ride, big suspension. So I was always into kinematics, how the truck moved, right? And it wasn't until later into my career that I got into drive lines and motors and transmissions and rear ends and really understanding the geometry and the, the physics of the suspension. But initially, we were just laying stuff out and then body dropping stuff and laying it on the ground, giant wheels. And, and that really was, that was the bag for so many years was just laying out trucks. Now, have you got the, uh, are you thinking about doing that again? Like, is there a truck that you've got your heart set on that you'd love to go back and, and lay out? So maybe, right? But so we definitely moved on. My, and definitely I'm, I'm into, into F100s, right? And, and I'll tell you, when it comes to, talk, comes to talking about mini truck stuff, we always talk about Nissan's building a hard body. It comes up, I bet it comes up once a week here in the shop, but Jonathan and I are both big Ford Ranger guys. And, and that being, that being the case, I would absolutely build a Ranger again, and I'm so split between building a gutter Ranger or building the, the round body Ranger. But anyway, we both, you know, we both talk about that. So for us, it's a hard body or a Ranger. And you know, like I said, I've had a body dropped on 20s of Zuzu and and stuff like that. I called it the Zoo, but uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like maybe if we're gonna build a main truck, it'd probably be a Ranger or a hard body. But the thing is, Zeus, based on what we've learned these days, we're big into power, and so it's like if we were gonna build. You know, we'd build a, a probably a, a big turbo four cylinder. Do you remember? Uh, you know, ba- hard body. Back in about two thousand and three or four, Trucking Magazine, they yep. took a Ranger Splash, so step side regular cab, and they shoved a Lightning five point four in it, and Ford SVT I did it. And it, and I wrote a yeah. story in Trucking called the Blurple Rain, Blurple Rain, because it was like this bluish purple yep. color with a lightning bolt down the side. And it I was, was, I was going to say, it was a, a little rough to look at, yes. but pretty scary uh, <laughs> yeah. so, build. So I flew out to Dallas because they had an activation there and mm. met the Ford team, and I was going to go do a photo shoot on it, and they gave me the keys of that thing to drive around Texas. This was the first time I'd ever been to Dallas. I had that thing for about eight hours. They handed me the keys and said, all right, just just bring it back and hand it to the truck driver. We're, we're out of here at six, so it just has to be back before then. Cool. I'm like, holy crap. That thing was so freaking loud, and it had, like, there's some sort of driveline thunk, like, when you would hammer on it. and sure. And they had carved away and moved the firewall because they had to fit the blower and the, the headers and everything. So I took that thing out, and I was over by the Dallas Zoo, and some dude in a Corvette, and it was, the C5s, I think, were uh, had just come out not too long before then. So he pulls That's about up, right, yeah. Yeah, so he pulls up next to me in a yellow C5. 
And he looks at was me. He, was he bald? Was he bald? No, just an older guy. No, just an older guy, right? Why Reeboks, white socks, uh, hemmed uh, denim shorts? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. right? When nurse in the front seat. So he looks at me, and he just like you, dumb ass kid in that stupid purple truck, right? Right? And and so he yep. points at me, and then points forward. I'm like, oh yeah. So I gun the. Sh- out of it that thing makes this unholy racket of v8 overhead cam blower wine smoke the shit out of him not even close like we were by the end of where we got got on the expressway we were doing like 110 120 and he pulls up next to me he wouldn't even look at me and i'm like <laughs> i'm like hey don't pick on rangers pal yeah. <laughs> but that thing was that's right awesome but i i like you am a huge ranger fan i i have my 67 f100 but i actually had two rangers were my first two trucks. And what's funny is right before you on the podcast tonight, we had Chad Callender from Ford Marketing talking about the new 2019 Ranger coming out. So this is like a total Ford, Aaron, Sean, (laughs) Ranger. uh, This is an awesome episode (laughs) for Ranger dream show, right? My dream show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So Aaron, I wanted to talk, I want to loop back really quick here. We were were talking about earlier, one of the reasons that at least you you said on the last show was that you, you couldn't, you couldn't handle these high-speed builds anymore. There wasn't enough of you in the vehicle, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just recall you saying, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to have my own time. to." And now it seems like you're you're back in this kind of rat race. So 100%. So they had, you know, get right down to it, down to brass tacks. So a second season of shifting gears, I would say definitely in negotiation. It's it's something that's kind of, uh, that's warranted on both sides, but not the same way. So we got into this thing, and before we had built cars, and then the second they were built, they were turned, they were sold. And so we never got to, we never got to, you know, to really file on them, to really dial them in. We never got to go and have fun. We never got to go use them. They were just gone, you know? And so the, and so I wanted to have a little more opportunity to do that. And I really think one thing was, is I wanted to use them because if you, you know, for us, if we build them and we don't use them, why, why bother building them, you know? And then, so there just was very little payoff in this high speed build stuff. So this summer round, we built a lot of race cars, and I went to go, went to explore as many racing opportunities, as many possibilities as I could, and and I absolutely had a blast. By the way, Turns King of the Hammers, Pikes Peak, yep. I mean, all like not and just I'll, a lot of racing, but what, widely diverse styles of racing that you've been able to to experience, which is really awesome. Well, there are, there are a lot of yahoos on TV, and Aaron is not one of them. He's proven it over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, g- genuine, well, genuine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far about not being a yahoo, but we try not to be. You're in good company, I'll tell you then. Coming, yeah, I'll tell you when, when the TV show comes back on, we did something that has been really one of the biggest one of the biggest joys in this whole in this whole trip on TV is I've never seen a rally car in person, or I hadn't, and and I'd never been to an actual stage rally before, and it was something that I, I just I needed to do, I needed to understand, and so I set out to uh, to build a rally car, and uh, from Pikes Peak, you know, like I've said many times, that Pikes Peak changed the trajectory of my life in so many ways, and uh, the people I met up there and the relationships we have. And a good friend of mine that I've met up there racing has a rally school. So we got together and we'd always been hanging out and trying to get this thing going. But I, I went out there and learned how to drive a rally car. Granted, you know, it's not something you pick up overnight, but I got the, got the foundation trained, had, uh, I uh, had uh, Bucky Lassick come out and work with me, and he he was a Subaru driver and GRC, and then obviously everybody knows this is skateboarding. And then uh, we worked on that, found the proper co-driver. We built an open light car, which is an unlimited no-turbo car, and uh, we took it to um, – 
to Olympus, which in 87, I believe, was a WRC stop. And we went up there, and, and it, everything worked out. It was, a, it was a rough weekend, but we, everything worked out really, really well. And uh, we're looking to do some more uh, some more rally racing. So we're going to try and run two more national events this year and see what 2019 brings. So wait, you're serious about the Pikes Peak really changed your life? 100%. How so? Yeah. I mean, tell me, do you, was there a, an actual moment? 5.40, Saturday afternoon, everything <laughs> changed for Aaron Kaufman. A little, little, diff- little different than that, I can tell you, early, much earlier than that. So doing overhauling, I, uh, I met a fellow named, uh, named Shane on there, Shane Boulay. He was the lead fabricator on the, on the overhauling show. And, uh, you know, we obviously met Chip, and Chip asked us to come down and do it. But I was, I was so impressed with Shane and his abilities in the off-road scene, and I didn't know anyone who worked off-road. And so we really hit it off, and we became good friends. And, uh, and so one time he asked me, he said, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, you want to come up and pit up in Laughlin at the race? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And I happened to be in Scottsdale, and so I drove on up for the weekend. And um, Robbie Gordon had one of his trucks up there. I think Travis Coyne was driving it. And, uh, and so they do what race car drivers do and, and uh, overextended what the transmission was capable of. And, and so we had, we had a truck to work on. And so I just jumped in and no one asked. They just said, Hey, do you want to know this guy? And Shane goes, he's with me. He said, that's good. And then from there, it's like, no one asked me what I was doing, fit in a hundred percent. I enjoyed all the people I was around, enjoyed the atmosphere, enjoyed in the pit, being in the pits, enjoyed working on the truck and slamming this thing together. And I said, you know, for the first time in my life, I said, this is this is my group of people. This is where I belong. This is where I fit in. And whether it's working on that truck and on the, you know, in that kind of environment, but it was racing and it was, it was being around this group of people that I enjoyed so much. And the problem with racing is it is a very expensive sport. And so it's so hard. Well, you know what they say? Around. They say, if you want to make a million dollars racing, start with 2 million. Start with a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. So, you fell in love with the group as much as you did the sport itself. You found your people. No, it's not. It's not specifically. It's not specifically one sport. It's like I love. I love racing. I race all kinds of cars, and then and I try and I and I indulge and I go to all different kinds of races. I enjoy the competition of what racing is and what it asks of you of of you deep inside of yourself. Every time you get in the car, what you're willing to sacrifice, the weeks and months leading up to it, what you're willing to sacrifice with between your family and your home life and all your other obligations to be in the shop to make these things happen, and you know the financial burdens of, of risking it all and putting it on the track. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a, a sport, it's an activity, but I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding. I think those of us that do it sometimes have a hard time understanding, but it's, uh, I guess we're just chemically deficient. We, you know, there's just, there's that, that thing we need out there. And it's like, I love building street vehicles. Golly. I mean, everybody knows we do, but it's like, I love being at the track before the sun comes up. I love the smell of a racetrack and fuel and raw tires. You know, it's like everything about it. And so, you know, this, this first uh, season of shifting gears, really put an effort into, into going racing and exposing what the community is, how solid the community, the people are, and then, and what it really takes to get these things done. Because everyone armchair quarterbacks and they're like, oh, I this and I can I, that. I would have done yeah, that. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. they're not there. And yeah. one of the things I did love about the first season of Shifting Gears was the cinematography was beautiful. And and the way the, sh- the shots were in the shop and the way the shots were, King of the Hammers and, and uh, you know, the big rig stuff, like everything was just, it was just really, whoever did your production on that, I mean, it was fun to watch just because it was really a pretty show, that, the way it was shot to, to sit there and enjoy it. And it kind of gave like an artistic flair, like you're already welding and there's sparks flying and there's all that kind of stuff. But it sort of kind of gave an additional lens to the kind of the, the artistry that goes on in fabrication. I thought that was really cool. 
Well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying this, and, and so much for the guys that aren't on the phone with us. And, you know, it's weird. They become a little bit of your family, too. You know, we spend more time with our production crew than we do with our own families. And, and uh, one of these gentlemen, in fact, I'm very good friends with, and we've worked together because of this TV, because of this car show TV thing. We've worked together for, you know, almost six years now. And I uh, just couldn't be a bigger fan. And everything we do, for everything everyone that people think that we do well, these guys do ten times better. I mean, they, it's like they, they really, they, under, they understand and they know how to make it look good. They know how to make it look right. The most important thing about that is that when you're sitting at home, that you see what we see, you experience what we experience. Because if it's done badly, it's so two-dimensional, and you don't understand the draw. You don't understand why we're there. You don't understand that you know what it what it does to your soul to be in these places, particularly when we're racing point to point and not on track. But you know, it's it's like they they are artists in their in their own right, the same way the same way we are, the same way they are. You know, it's just it's just a different medium. But and you had to develop your own chops in this in this world. I mean, you narrate everything. And you weren't, you know, you're not a voiceover guy. You're yeah. not a voiceover guy in Hollywood. You know, you had to learn that, and you're really you're damn good at it. Um, oh, thanks. No, and so I, I, it feels very personal. The show feels yeah. very personal. I think that's it's just why a totally it different vibe. Like it doesn't feel like it's this scripted, and everybody's a caricature of themselves, and there's fake drama. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like a just a really. It almost feels like a documentary in a sense. And there's just a there's a realness to it that I think comes through the screen that you don't get in a, a whole lot of other shows um, that are out there. Well, God, I really appreciate y'all saying that. And, you know, a, there's an interesting thing is like. I don't watch the t- I don't watch the show in uh, in a hundred episodes of Fast and Loud that I did um, over five years or so. I did I watched the very first episode we did, and then the one of the first time I went to Pikes Peak, I watched those two. I did I haven't even seen the biker build off. I don't I don't watch any of that stuff because I always figured if I watched it and because I know what the hard stuff is, I know what the troubles are, and if they were portrayed badly or they undermined it, like how would I come to work the next day and do what I have to do? It's hard enough as it is. A hundred percent. I. I never watch it. You know, I watch sometimes when we shoot stuff, I'll watch playbacks. I'll see things on the camera. But once it leaves the shop, I never you see it again. Water and, under the bridge. Like, I, I, you know, yeah, I'll do the same exactly. thing at, at work with the magazines or our shows and stuff. I, I never watch. The only thing I listen to that we've done is the podcast because we have to edit it. But in terms and of we like, la- And sure. we laugh about how bad we are. Oh, no, we're, we're like, horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awful. <laughs> it's like the suckage is overflowing yeah. this week. But I'm like you. I, I, I don't watch myself after it's done because to me it's water under the bridge. It doesn't matter because what am I going to gain from watching it other than criticizing myself and second-guessing myself the next time I have oh, to do the next project? Th- that's it. The next time you go to it, and that's what I say, it's like, if you know, I have to trust these people that I go that I that I work with, not here in the shop, but in Los Angeles. And when we're there, I have to expect that they do a great job. As long as people still want me to do it, I have to assume that they're doing a great job. And so I just, I they do what they do, I do what I do, and it works out pretty good. In fact, when we shoot videos here at the shop, even if I come up, I write the whole deal and say, "This is what we're going to do. We want this, this, and this, and shoot this, and I'm going to say these things." Right. Once we get done with it, it's like, I, I really, I, I tell my guy that edits and cuts it all up. I say, I want to see this and this. He goes, you want to watch it cut? Uh, sometimes reluctantly, but most of the time I say, do you like it? And he goes, yeah. And I go, great, run with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I have an odd question for Aaron. Um, sure. S- some, so I worked with uh, Jimmy Kimmel when no one knew who he was. He was a, a small uh, DJ out of, he was in Seattle. Then he came down and he was in Palm Springs for a while. And then we hired him as a sports guy at K-Rock in LA. And... He uh, he went to the Man Show. He did win win Ben Stein's money. He did all this, and he got his own show on on on. You know, we we know the Jimmy Kimmel Today late night TV, and he started to be aware of his fame at one point. I think when he did um, uh, an event with 
President Barack Obama, uh, a White House dinner or something, and then he became aware. I had a dinner with him where I talking to him one day, it was obvious that he knew he was a celebrity. He had tra- he was no longer just a DJ and a, one of us anymore. He had become a bona fide celebrity, and he now had a brand and an image. He was still the same Jim, but he was aware of his place in the pecking order. I'm curious because to millions, you are a megastar. How do you feel in your own skin? Man, what uh, what an interesting question. You know what? I tell you the truth. One, one of the one of the more interesting ones I've been asked recently. Um, that's a strange one, you know, because everyone I deal with in business uh, tries to bring this up, tries to make this incredibly um, a, a big deal, make me aware of it. But at the same time, though, it's like nothing in my life feels like that. You know, it's like I w- make make payroll and pay taxes and workforce commission payments and all all kinds of stuff. It's like all these things. Like I don't think about the, you know, jets and silk scarves and jewelry <laughs> celebrity co- you know what wait, I mean? wait do you have it's jets like- and silk scarves <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no not yet i imagine no, we'll he, get he has one a there, uh, right? he has a water jet yeah yeah he's got that's a water it, jet and he's got it. silk dickies I, i'm kind of curious eric <laughs> when was the first time that somebody came up to you in public you weren't at an event you weren't at uh, shooting the show where they came up, recognized you, and maybe you were a little bit taken aback. Like, how did you handle that? What was that? Do you remember that first time? Yeah, I remember. I remember the. I remember the first time that I was. Uh, I remember the first time I was surprised by it. the show hadn't been on long, and so around around town, and um, there's some obvious places that it doesn't shock you to be recognized. But the first time that I was impressed with the reach um, was I happened to be in Tennessee, and so it was, uh, we started filming the show in February 2012. So in July 2012. Um, one of my very good friends and I, we threw our bikes in 72 hours. We went to uh, uh, Maggie Valley, uh, or sorry, North Carolina. It was Maggie Valley, North Carolina, and we were going to go see uh, Dale Watson at the Wheels Through Time uh, Motorcycle Museum, and we were going to go that ride. That place is uh, amazing, drive, uh, by the way. It's it's uh, it's the only museum I've ever cried at, and uh, and so we uh, we were we were gone for 72 hours, blasted out there. We saw Dale, did the museum, hung with him, and then we rode to Chattanooga uh, and back, and we rode uh, Tail Dragon, and then we screamed back and went wow, right back to work. What a trip! And so I have so in the middle of the night, I happen to be at a uh, at a gas station in Tennessee. Walk in, no more. I mean, in a fraction of a second, this dude knows my name. Says what's up? Hey man, really enjoyed the whatever. I don't know what he said to me, but this guy stopped me and we talked. TV show hadn't been on all that long. TV show had been on since. May or something, so two months, month and a half or something, and uh, and this guy recognized me at a gas station in the middle of the night in Tennessee, and so I said, "Holy smokes!" You know what I mean? It's it's because you know you just don't you don't think about it that way. That was probably the first time that I was surprised that anyone anyone knew who I was or recognized me. But you know when it when it comes to, like the 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 bona fide celebrity stuff, man, the way I look at it is I could. I could be applying for a job. It almost seems like any day, you know, because it's like everything's fleeting and and people, you know, people's uh, interest is so, is so fickle. And so it's like, ultimately, I don't think anything ever changed. You know, we, we still, we cut and grind and we roll around the floor and we build trucks. And it's like, the neat thing is, is we have these great opportunities afforded to us because of the popularity. But outside of the opportunities, I don't see that anything's changed. I like that. You're just a dude. You're same same dude yeah. you were before. Right. Same same mini mini trucker. You know. Oh, Very I mean, much. I mean, maybe not. I mean, I mean, it's not the same yeah. mini trucker. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk next about. We had Mike Finnegan on the show from Roadkill, 
Yeah. And, and he had a very interesting perspective on what went down between Roadkill and, and, and your show. And I wanted to get you, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, go, go, no, go ahead and share this. Like, you know, it's odd as, as Mike and I had an opportunity to connect a couple months ago and we hung out and we had an unbelievable time. We know what odd, we didn't talk about that at all. We just, we chopped it up about cars, building, all kinds of stuff. That's Mike about TV. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm saying, yeah, cause, cause he's working on some new stuff and, and I just kind of gave him, I said, you just call me and I'll tell you what I've been through. That's all I can tell you. And, uh, and we hung, but we didn't talk about it one time, but I'm curious, I'm curious to see what his point of view was on so, that, especially because we hung and never talked about so, it. So Mike and I go back probably 15 years. We started as magazine editors together. So I, I've known Mike for a long time and he kind of did us a favor. He came on the podcast and, and we, we really drilled down and it's one of our favorite episodes because he really got personal with us and, and, and really kind of opened up and was very transparent, which was awesome because that's the Mike that I know. And, yeah. and, you know, I think Mike is in generally is a pretty guarded guy. And so we kind of talked about that. And, and his whole take was he felt that because there were third parties involved, that the way that you like to put your heart and soul into a build is the same way Mike likes to put his heart and soul in a build. Sure. He felt like it ended up not being his build. And, and it wasn't necessarily what he wanted. And he said that Freiberger had turned to him right before the thing was about to film and said, you don't have to do this if you don't want to, knowing Mike's level of integrity. And, uh, and, and Mike said, no, no, we're, we're here, we're going to do it. And so it wasn't bad against anybody. It was just his feeling like, he, in a well, way... That, that's not true. He felt that Richard Rawlings poured salt on the wound. Well, that was the social aspect of it. He felt like there was a little bit of underhanded stuff in the social realm that kind of you know, called them out when the parameters had sort of been set up unfairly, and he felt like it was a, a hit on his credibility or uh, on who he is. And, and I can totally understand that. So I'm, we're just curious because we've, we know Mike and we've had Mike on and we've got you on, you know, what your thoughts were of that day or what your experience was, whether whether or not it has anything to do with Mike, just the roadkill mashup well, with what, Fast what, and Loud. You, I, I'm, trying to put, oh, I'm trying to remember the story ahead. exactly because they had to make it, they had to put the car together, right, and that they yeah. couldn't possibly do because they were out doing other projects. Right. So the production company for the TV show actually put it together. They weren't happy with it. Um, apparently, Richard found out about it, well, kind of out of well, them. On the, not only that, oh, but, but it wasn't. I mean, and Richard, I, was, I mean, I can fill you in on, on some of it. There, it's like it wasn't even. It wasn't even. You know, well hidden. I mean, and not to mention, you got to remember in this industry, it's like the same guys they buy parts from, we buy parts from. The same guys they drink beer with, we drink beer with. But I'll tell you this: it is a very, very small world, particularly oh, yeah. with things that have wheels on them. And so, so there was really no secrecy as far as I, I mean, as far as I remember. But you know, it's like they there was definitely a different approach early on. I mean, we had no idea what was going on. But as it got closer and closer, some you know some things really kind of kind of came to light. But ultimately, it's like. Here's the thing. I never, and I mean, it's like because I know I'd never judge any other mm, car builder based on on what was done for television because there's so many parameters. You can't. There's so many variables there that you can't say that's representational of of so and so or X Y Z because 100%. you don't know all you don't know all the things that were going down there. And you know, it's like with the the situation there is like I don't I don't think it had anything you know like that car. I don't think it was a reflection of, of Mike and. You know, and it's like quite frankly, I don't, I don't know uh, Freiberger at all. But, but Mike, I don't think after meeting him and seeing his cars and talking with him, I don't think it was a reflection of of, of his building at all. And, and in fact, the, the people that had built it, I wish I'd known the story a little better because there were so many things that didn't quite make sense to me. But ultimately, you know, we were we weren't that thrilled about the situation on our side. And quite frankly, it was like every three or four days something changed. You know what I mean? And it was, I, I mean, best I can remember. And it's been a few years now, but it was like. 
whatever you whatever I did, whatever the plan was on Monday, someone had changed something by Thursday. Interesting. You know, and so and that's just and and finally I just got to the point I said, Well, this is the car I'm building and you know, do it, I mean, take it, don't take it, just qualify and qualify. I don't really don't care, but this is the car I'm building and this is the car we're taking. So yeah, and I think his other thing was he felt like because you guys used uh, Dart, right? So it was a, a smaller chassis or lighter chassis than what they were able to use and stuff like that. But again, nothing against you. There's no no personal calls. He just felt like the experience itself was sort of dictated by third parties for entertainment, which it was. Um, which you seem oh, to sure, be, which sure. you seem to be saying the same thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the the one thing is, like, you know, for them, it's like my belief is, and here's the thing is I could have the story completely wrong because we never talked about it, but I really, it's like my understanding is what so much of, if not entirely, third outsourced the whole car when, when we built ours. So as far as, you know, what it did or didn't do, I don't think there's any reflection of the two guys at all, you know. And so all I know is that I enjoyed building my car, and I had an immeasurably good time racing it. And so, the, and so as far as I'm concerned, Screw everybody else. I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, spe- so speaking of good times, I have been following your freaking Ford Fun Hundred run for like three years on Facebook. Is that Dude. thing? Is that happening? Because I want to get my F one hundred done and come down and hang out with you. Well, well, it's a good thing for you. We haven't got it together, so you. Can- <laughs> <laughs> I think I think best best thing for you is if it gets sidetracked for another two or three. Yeah, no so. kidding. <laughs> my truck might no, be done. No, then. no, no. I want to see this I'll event come you. to fruition. <laughs> I'll tell you, we do too, and I'll t- and I'll tell you. So it, that that is so much of, of really, you know, where my brain and my heart is. And it's like the the neat thing is, I'll tell you what it is. I love history, and it's like despite how unbelievably hot it is here, I love Texas. And so one of the things we're such a big state, such a truck state, and then you know, obviously we're Ford guys. One of the things I wanted to do, and I'll tell you, I'll spin it for you quickly is I wanted to have, as like, if you remember like the old reliability runs, it's like I wanted to have this thing that, if nothing else, ran at least 10 years. And then what we would do is it would run from a different host location to, to um, you know, on a two-day event every every year for 10 years at minimum. And then what we would do is they would, we would stop at their places along the way. So they're not like a, um, or not like a, yeah, I think a, uh, Got to find something, not a not a hunt and find thing. But there are little Easter eggs and bonuses along the way, and then we like have a poker camp, run or something one. like that. Yep, kind of like that. Okay, and uh, along the way, and here's the deal: is like I've done my time in parking lots. Like I don't have any interest exactly. in like, <laughs> building cars. That's and why I wanted shows. to be a part of the freaking Fun and Hundred they, Run. No, it's it's the and the, so it's two things: a community, b driving these things. Because yes. the, the problem is. It's like when you when you build it to go to a car show and you pull out your lawn chair and your timeout kit and sit in front of it and you sit in the parking lot. God, me, I've done enough sitting in the parking yes. lot. Yes. And I say I want to drive them. Yes. And so the thing is, we get to go out, see things, learn a little bit about the area, enjoy these things, and, and really develop these memories and these experiences with our friends with pickup trucks. And then when we get to camp, it's like mini bike races and horseshoes. Get out of my head, Aaron Kaufman! Get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's your dream you know, event. I know. It's yeah, crazy. Dude, I, I finally found it on Facebook. I think it has like 350 followers or something. And I joined the Facebook group like two years ago. And I'm like, where is this thing? But then my truck hasn't been done, so I'm kind of happy it hasn't no, happened we're, yet. We're, as, as, I know. And I'll, t- and I'll tell you, we got a couple. We got a couple other buddies like that, more than a couple. And uh, and then they're just right there. We're now that we're really getting things up to speed with the F100. We really think we're going to be able to help the guys that just need that little push over the edge. And we have a great, uh, great big turnout. And then hopefully we'll have a couple R and D trucks. I 
I'll tell you this right now. I've got some. I got some Chevy brothers. I won't call them out. I won't say anything. But I think if I had a couple Fords laying around, they'd, they'd fly in and show up in a heartbeat going to Fun Hunter Run. Well, so what are you doing parts wise? When does your parts line come out for ArcLight to help these guys get on the road? And then what are the parts that you're focusing so, the, on? So I'll tell you right now. So the F100 Builders Guide, the one coming out at SEMA, um, we'll have um, a. a we call them a slick, so we do four generations. So 57 to 60, 61 to 66, 67 to 72, and 73 to 79. And so we're doing all of these, and there's, there's variations on. But basically, um, like a stage one on the, the right now, we're really kind of heavy in the slick, so the um, 61 to 66. And so right now we're working on the solid axle trucks. So our stage one is uh, leaf spring front and back slam. Like you, have you seen Jonathan, one of my, one of my buds' trucks? We did his truck. It works incredibly well. So it's a little bit of a refinement and making all of his his kit available. Here's the big thing. I think that I think that I can get guys for about two hundred hours and about mm, twelve to fifteen thousand dollar investment total, including the truck. They can be they can be rolling to hot rod shows, boiling the tires off, and having a Sweet. good time. And what you and what's unique about that is that they can be having a good time in these pickup trucks and be in the black because I think the trucks are worth you know north of fifteen. I think seventeen to twenty. You know, sure. depending on sure. what patina, what how, what kind of parts used. But ultimately, you know, I'm looking at the basically it's a rear suspension, front suspension, bolt in, you know, Fox body, three hundred two five speed setup on. Perfect. My opinion is real, my opinion is real hot rods have three pedals. But we'll have automatic options <laughs> as well. And so, I, I tend to agree with you, but uh, I'm sad that mine's looking to have two pedals, but that's because of other stuff yeah. that happened. So, that's, all, that's, all, that's all right. But I'll, have, the, uh, I'll have 500 horse because i got Raptor turbos on my EcoBoost, and i got a Dynatrack 60 in the back and Willwood brakes yep. at all four corners, and I'm fitting a 295 without rolling the fenders in the back. And so I'm yep. just, it, it'll be, and I'm keeping leaves in the back of mine because I'm a truck guy, I like, happen to like leaf springs, and I just like the way they, yep. they drive and stuff. So I'm going to do like Caltrax. I've got a set of Deaver springs. My buddy's a Deaver made some springs that lowered the back. Plus, I've got the shackle and bracket drop. And I think it'll be pretty cool. I want to get that truck to Texas because I want to hang out with you. Hey, listen, I'll tell you this. You need to get my, get my phone number on. We'll talk trucks after the show. I got a couple things for you. If you're going to leave it on leaf springs on it, I think Caltrax is absolutely the right way to go as far as making traction. But there's a couple tricks in there, and uh, there's a product that I offer, too, that I think might help you out. But, uh, awesome. but I, 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 can't, I can't wait to see there. And not to mention, you know, at first I was really bummed on EcoBoost. Like, oh, V6. I, I know. It's funny. Doesn't I, sound right I either. Love I love a straight six. Like, I don't like a straight six. I love straight sixes. And so, so but the V6 came out, I'm like, oh, yep. you know, but then you see, the, you see the power numbers on it, well, you know, torque manager, you probably never can I'll, get I'll tell you off the air what the license plate's going to be on the truck. I think you'll appreciate it. Wait, why it. off good, the air? Good, why, good, wait, good. wait, wait, why, why, why off the because, air? Because, so it was originally going to be a diesel uh, V6, an EcoBoost, or Eco Diesel, and we had to pull it out, whatever, and we ended up getting a Ford Performance uh, EcoBoost V6. So my old plate for the truck, and I got the California Repop, yellow on black, it was uses oil. Yep. That's the plate I have. And it was freaking awesome. We're like, oh, that's so clever. Look at us. But I haven't got had a chance to go back to the DMV to get the plate since we got the EcoBoost put in it. And so I have an idea for it that'll be a little bit of fun. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, you know, so I, I put an EcoBoost in that Pantera, and that was the first EcoBoost oh, yeah. I ever worked on. And uh, I could not have been more impressed on absolutely every level. Ton of torque. Uh, the power. Spins high. What? Ton of torque. Oh, the yeah. revs high. It's got plenty of flexibility. It's, it's, it's pretty badass. I thought the drivability was incredible. Is, is the, the thing was, like, if you, if you short-shifted it, it's like it drove like a Focus or a Fusion. You just put, throw the keys and put it and give it to somebody and said, stay out of the boost. 
and say, well, whenever you rolled into it, the thing was absolutely, I mean, just nothing short of impressive. And the other thing was, is we even had, a, we had a fan relay go out and say, and if the car was moving, it would, it would uh, manage its, its uh, temperature incredibly well. Not like on freeway speeds, if it was just moving. And so, and not to mention, you turn it off and it would shed heat so quickly. I was so impressed with the power, the drivability, and then just how, just how well the engine worked. I really was But it just sounds so weeny. Well, no, it's not. You know it's not weenie. It sounds like a freaking I, industrial I'll, I'll tractor. I'll tell you this: I didn't. I didn't think so. I still don't think so. It's like I didn't run mufflers on ours. Past the turbos, it was uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, and you right, did it on the Pantera. So in the truck, so so Gail, Gail Banks is at his shop because he's doing the engine swap and the the tuning sure. and the intercooling and all that fun stuff for me. And so Gail is like, I have tricks that will that we can do with the exhaust that'll even out the pulses so it doesn't sound like. And I'm like, <laughs> deal. That's, sold. One, that's one of the weirdest. That's one of the weirdest things about V6 is, is just the, the you know the firing order on it. Yeah, but ultimately, yeah. I thought that the EcoBoost V6 had such a strange rasp to it, such a weird growl that just you know was not was yeah. not what I expected. And I really enjoyed it. I think I think it'll be a blast. I look forward to using it in another project. I just haven't found one. I'll tell you this: when it comes to strange uh, Ford motors, I'll tell you I got, I got two two things going on. One. We're trying to get things worked out. I know it sounds like such a cop out, but it's like it's complicated. Is importing Bara motors, our uh, four liter straight six dual overhead cam uh, motors from Australia for putting in some of these uh, F one hundreds. Is that from Big a Falcon stuff. or what? What is that out that's of? That's right, Falcon. That's a, okay, that's a that's a, it's, as far as I, if, the way I look at Bad it, ass it's engine, by the way. to a two J. Wait, what? What's it, what's it called again, Aaron? A Barra motor, four, four liter deliver head cam, straight six motor. It was and in the so performance we, version of the Falcon that competed with Holden in Australia, and it was the last of Ford's straight sixes in the modern age. I don't know that they make that engine anymore because the is, Falcon isn't there. It is a, it, a, it is a vicious low motor. I'm so yeah. impressed with it. There's that. And then what I have uh, going into one of my other trucks, I've got a 61 here that's slated for it, is uh, running uh, Nelson mirror image 60 millimeter turbos on a 6.2, like a Raptor motor. And so I think, that, <laughs> awesome. I think it's going to be, it'll be, it'll be my first uh, flex fuel vehicle. And uh, we're, we've got some big numbers in mind, but uh, I think it's going to be one hell of an interesting Are project. Are you going to tune a, it to have more horsepower when it's on E85 then? So you can take advantage of the octane? Well, I mean, it's just like, it's not, it's not so, the horsepower numbers aren't insane, but we're looking for on E85, something in the 1,000 horsepower range. Yeah, that's not insane on, at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's like these days, holy crap, yeah, these true. days it's not. But the uh, but somewhere on a thousand on the eighty five and something uh, maybe call it seven hundred seven fifty or so on on pump gas and I don't think that's going to be that difficult and have a super reliable motor too. But uh, that's uh, that's one we've got in the lineup and I've got the sixty one here in the full drivetrain running a uh, sixty sixty behind it. So we'll see how that all shakes out. So I remember Aaron, I, I was out there. I don't know last I don't know it was last year September or something, and you had just moved into that shop. Maybe it's been longer. And you were yes, you were you were basically activating the whole front section, turning it into a store. Um, yes, sir. What are you What are you offering in that store right now? Is it just T-shirts and coffee mugs, or are you actually selling parts? So right now, say because of the you know the nature of this situation, so much of it is a gift store, is, is shirts and hats, and you know, and there's some moto stuff. Uh, I'm a Bell dealer, and so we sell some of some of the lifestyle stuff. But basically, it's shirts and coffee mugs and doodads and this that but ultimately we also have we also have a uh, a parts desk that's not up front it's uh if you come out of the shop and come back to the office um you're familiar we're john john's offices yeah so that's our, our parts our parts counter back there and so we're the only north texas distributor for vibro solutions and then also our parts and then so many other uh, dealer for so many other f100 parts that we don't manufacture 
Dude, I'm going to be in Texas in uh, September, and I'm going to make a trip Good. to come see you. I'll be out there for uh, Texas State Fair because we go out there for the big auto show, and uh, a lot of times oh, I'll yeah. do a truck news. Yeah. So I'll be there for that. Yeah. I will find you because I want to come check out the shop when I'm in town. This is Holman, by the way. You you absolutely need to. All right, there, I, there's your invitation. I have I have five quick questions with Aaron Kaufman. I just want to rattle them off really, really fast, and and then that's it. We're just going to do it. We're going to do five quick. By questions. the way, I have I have to stop right here. Aaron, thank you very much for for carving out the time to talk to us. We really Absolutely. do. No, we really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. You think, you think it's a big a big effort to you know find time to chop it up and talk trucks with you know with guys into the same thing. And this is just what we do, you know. At the end of the day, none of the trucks matter. None of the things we do matter. It's just the time we spend with each other. But what what, what matters is we're not here in person having a beer together while we're doing it. So that yes. we need to fix that. So we do need to we'll change fix, that. We'll fix that in September. All right. So five five questions with Aaron Kaufman. I want to know uh, how old is your beard now? <laughs> uh, 2010, so uh, eight years. <laughs> All right. All right. Dr. Pepper or Coke? Dr. Pepper, man. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm in Texas. Yes. Uh, we swill so much Dr. Pepper on this show, we don't know how they don't freaking advertise with us because it's like out of control. <laughs> Um, in fact, I'm uh, drinking one right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. All right. Qu- question three. He's got All right. Go. Question Come three. Now. All right. What's the biggest mistake or thing that bugs you about when you see somebody, somebody's build, or there's some some like trend or something like that that you just go, ugh, when you see it? Uh, quite simply put, is lack of a cohesion. Like where it looks like I think this is cool, and I think this is cool, and I think this is cool, but none of it makes any sense together. That's probably my hands down. 100% biggest pet peeve when I see when I see other builds is like when it looks like that's cool that's cool that's cool but like none of it makes any sense together that's kind of like uh, Japanese like that Harajuku culture where they take <laughs> yeah. they'll take like Chicano <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like straight white boy and then hip hop and they yeah. put it all together and you go what, what is, is that, that? disaster <laughs> yeah. they make it their own alright question number four how many bags have you blown oh pardon me <laughs> 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 yes. airbags. Yeah. airbags on like your mini trucks man you know, I've ch- you know what? Ah, geez, I don't think I don't think I don't think I've blown any. But I'll tell you this: what? I what? There's changed, no way. I stacked. Hold on, I'm not I'm not kidding. I don't think we have. We've blown them up from big pressure. But as far as use, man, I don't know. We pulled some off trucks that were on so long. We just like surely they got to wow. be bad. Wow. But but I'll tell you this though: I have changed a stack of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last question: Next time you're in LA, will you come in studio and hang out with us? I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this. If the opportunity is here, if I've got trucks on the ground, if you have time, which I imagine is probably short, it could be short on both of them. Sure. You say, you Dr. Pepper guy? I we'll, am. we'll go for a little road trip. I'll take you to Dublin. Waco Museum? Yes. Where Dr. Pepper's from. Yes, we yes. need to go to Dublin, and that way we can get the uh, the sugar Dr. Pepper, not the corn syrup Dr. Pepper. Man, as I say, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on how it all goes. But yeah, <laughs> oh, on, I love it. If we can, we'll take a, we'll take a road trip or an F1. Oh, oh it, my man. God. It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Aaron Kaufman, arclightfab.com. Obviously, you know him from TV, from Shifting Gears, and so much going on. We're uh, we're so stoked for your success, dude. So pumped. And, and again, thanks for carving out the time, because uh, you've been one of the guests that we've loved, we wanted to have on the show. We we loved having you on, and, and this has been awesome, especially for me. I don't know. I, I'm still like, I just want to have beers and talk trucks, because I can do this all night, but but some of us have a bedtime. Yeah, I, I, and kids. I, 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 invitation's open. Let's do it. All right, brother. Appreciate Great. it. Man. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. See you guys. All All right, brother. Thanks. Later. Bye-bye. Well, that was cool. Dude, that was awesome. <laughs> you were so excited. Giddy. 
You were just stepping all over him. Did you ah, I'm like, four up 100, more force. If I had to give you the stop sign with my hand one more time, I was going to smack you. Dude, I just, I, this is fun. Like, no, this I is, know this. This is the stuff I like to talk about. I get it. I get it. You were just I smashing know. him. I he know. was like, not even, you were anticipating his, his the period. Come the on, sentence. let's get this on. <laughs> I was like, dude, reel it in and reel it in. Let him get a sentence out. Oh, man. But he's a no. talker. Yeah. Dude, he can go. Aaron is, uh, I, so. I've met him now like four or five times. Yeah. Dude, just salt of the earth. Yeah. He's just- Super humble. He's one of us. Yeah. I love it. He, he rides BMX. He, he, you know, he started out as a mini trucker. He's been, he's famous. He's on TV. Dude, he's our people. He hand, he's our people. He is our people. But he's grounded. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like he literally, anyone will take his call. This is Aaron Kaufman. I need something. No problem. Well, I got it. Well, it's funny because and I've been trying to get a hold of that guy for like three years. So he won't just for take anyone's call. He won't right. take anyone's call. the other way around. <laughs> but I, you know, when Arclight launched, I'm like, hey, you know, let me know if you need to get some exposure in the magazines for parts or if you have any cool builds. Blah, blah, blah. Nothing. Crickets. No, you know what it is? Uh, it's Jonathan, uh, his, his, yeah. his buddy there. He's like, hey, I got uh, some guy, a Holman on the phone. Fu- <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> nope. I'm going to go to Texas and they're going to give me like the wrong directions. It'll be some boarded up shack in a field or something you're gonna, like that. You're going to punch his address into your phone yeah. and Siri is going to go <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my F100 out there and then I will find no other F100s it's 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 some magical land that doesn't exist or yeah. something like that <laughs> no Aaron Kaufman for you oh, oh, that was amazing man what a great show yeah I think um, I mean look if you could extract us out of it then it would be an A plus. It would be epic. <laughs> we pull it down to like a C minus, dude. I, but I, those I'm are some impressed. Good shows, yeah. We did two in a row, so I think that was fitting for our twentieth episode because I think it's solid. I I agree. I I would go so far as to say that Nissan might actually be proud to be a sponsor. You think our presenting sponsor Nissan will hang around for a few more episodes? I mean, I I hope so. I mean, look, we have to get better. We're we're not getting better. At the rate at which I had hoped. <laughs> I mean, we're just well, not. Our, but our guests are getting better. Our guests are rad. Yeah, so that they'll carry us. I think. Uh, Let I think, them carry our I, water. I think we're so yeah, yeah, we'll go for it. Episode twenty. I feel yeah. good about this. You know, well, we closed out our first. Uh, you know, our first big episode. Well, I'm screwing it up right now. So this guy, <laughs> God damn it! I ruined it. The truck show. The truck show. The truck show. Whoa! I just. Dude, you, how many? We've closed the show 20 freaking times. I just dragged us into the mud, didn't I? Yeah, I don't know what you were talking about. I know why. It's because that ant was distracting you. I saw, I'm not gonna, I saw it crawling on your microphone I while was, you were trying to close the show. I and was, I've been fending off ants this whole freaking show. <laughs> we're talking to Aaron so Kaufman. Ants? And I'm like, I kill. I thought for sure you would hear because I killed an ant <laughs> on, on the my microphone. microphone. <laughs> I was like, I was so distracted by these things. It was I one on my that. board earlier. Dude, I had one on I my elbow. I went to elbow. go smush him and I turned the volume up accidentally. <laughs> I was like, God, come on. Oh, dude, I don't know what happened. We we leave the studio for one week and we come back and there's freaking an ant Ants. infestation. What? There's no food in here. No, I don't think so unless somebody snuck a chili dog under the couch. Well, no, we would know it because we would have eaten it. <laughs> <laughs>